This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, it's Wednesday. It's hump day. It's MK day. It's time to get it all started here on the 2nd of March, 2022. Hello, everyone. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos here in Washington, D.C., and I am joined by the Viceroy of Connecticut. Until Glover Teixeira renounces his belt or otherwise loses it, he can only be the Viceroy, but soon he will be king. It is my friend and yours. It is Brian Campbell. Hello, Brian Campbell. How are you? Uh, Luke, I'm doing great. Do you want to know why specifically? Uh, sure. Remember that time you hinted that I might be racist for not celebrating customs or holidays of other cultures? Well, yesterday, Luke, was Fat Tuesday, and while we know what that means for Mardi Gras in the Polish community, that means it's Punchki season, biatch. So, Luke, I went to Big Y, and there was this giant sign with these massive donuts, you know, this big. And I bought a six-pack of them, dude, filled with Bavarian cream. And, oh, God, Luke, I have so much Polish sugar in my system right now. I'm like Jan Blahovich without the, the, the hanging rope around his neck from the trees. You know what I'm talking about, Luke, okay? I could I could imagine you going up there like Kenny Powers buying the donuts and then telling everyone to stop Asian hate when you left. Th- th- That's would what I'm it go like about, that? Okay? <laughs> Luke, if you ain't had a fresh punchki, I mean, are are you, are you really a, a a real fat guy, Luke? Are you? I mean, do you really know what's up? You know what I'm saying? Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if I've ever had one. What? How would you describe? These are basically Polish donuts. Is that the idea? I would describe it as a traditional donut on steroids. So the box I Ooh. bought had. Basically, Boston cream-looking ones and powdered ones, both filled to the nines with with the yellow cream, Luke. <laughs> cream, right? <laughs> Get on top, right? You know what I'm saying? Shabu. Uh, I do. Pop. I do know what you are saying, as it only <laughs> took you three minutes to refer to your genitals. Uh, pretty nicely done. All right, we have a busy show today. I want to remind folks we have to get to all the UFC stories. We have some Cain Velasquez news, which we're going to start with. We have some new announcements for some title fights. Plus, of course, UFC 272 is this weekend. So thumbs up on the video. Please hit subscribe if you'd be so kind. Please, uh, if you're listening on podcasts, give us a nice review on whatever platform you are listening on. As a reminder, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a a, a free 30-day trial. Morningcombat at gmail.com is going to be the email. That is going to be both for today's fan subs, Friday's Dead Wrong, or if you need to reach the show in BC. I have to tell you, our intrepid merch guy, 
RJ hit me up when you were uh, trying to get on and told me to tell you if fans go to morningcombat.store right now until then, the day of the holiday, which is St. Patrick's Day, we have St. Patrick's Day merch available right now, morningcombat.store. Wow, I thought I was I was really hoping for uh for Fat Tuesday merch, Luke. You know, while I am not actually Polish, I am a massive Yuan Young Jacek fan, so I was hoping for that. But I'll take the new merch just the same, morningcombat.store. Uh tell him Big Ray sent you. You know RJ, right? Big Ray, Luke. Guy brings it. Big Ray, yes, Big Ray. Um, all right. Well, with that out of the uh, the way, let's go ahead and get this show started. If well, we hold can. on, we can begin... I interrupt you? Can we promote something first, Luke? Please. Yes. Yes, please. You, you, you bag a dick, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, what's a little insult between friends, Luke? Uh, we've got an outstanding amount of content at more at YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat for you. Not only great interviews and, of course, the rooftop diaries that is pregame preview with Chuck Mindenhall ahead of UFC 272, but we launched yesterday. Resume review, Colby Covington, Luke Thomas. And, you know, I'd have to say, it, it's 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 arguably one of our better ones, Luke. I mean, you kind of mailed it in a little. But besides that, you know, BC brought it. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear you feel that way. All right. And, uh, with that, it's a, go ahead. Well, Luke, uh, before you throw to the show, okay, and talk about much more serious topics, including gunfire, uh, you know, they say there used to be a curse. I, I do want to show you this tweet that one of our, as you would say, intrepid donks came up with here uh, this morning. Todd Tuomi says, technically, MMA resume reviews without Chuck Mindenhall are undefeated, undisputed. 8-0 with seven finishes. Luke, that, <laughs> that is true, bro. I'm not trying to move the goalpost on you, but that, that is true. Not trying to move the goalposts, but you're going to move them just the same. All right, so that's the new one, which I guess no matter what happens here, it wouldn't confirm or deny since Chuck was... Well, I guess if it actually if Chuck, if it breaks the curse with Chuck, then it would be the new one. All right, good to know. Good to know that that is apparently the new line in the sand. I guess we'll see how things go on Saturday. So, so, so that means put all of your money on, on Game Bread this weekend. That's what that actually means, okay? That's I'm what just, that I'm means. I'm just the all messenger, right. Luke. Okay, I'm just the facilitator here, all right? All right, with that out of the way, let's get to topic number one here and kick off the show. Cain Velasquez, the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world, former, I think for a very brief stint anyway, WWE uh, professional wrestler, he has been arrested and charged with attempted murder. It is crazy beyond description, but it is the reality. Here is what we know. It is all quite basic at this level. There's a lot we don't. Uh, he was booked into the Santa Clara, which is, uh, of course, in California County Jail, According to the San Jose Police Department on Tuesday morning, um, there was a shooting at the intersection of Monterey Highway and Bailey Avenue. According to media reports, and we should be very clear about that, again, I want to caution, there remains a lot that is unknown about this. Velazquez is charged with allegedly shooting uh, at this vehicle. In the vehicle were three people, one of which was somebody who was accused and has been uh, charged. Again, they are technically like Velazquez innocent until proven guilty, but has been charged with allegedly molesting one of Velasquez's family members. Now, we don't know who that family member is. That person is a minor, so they have not been identified. So this looks to be, uh, I'm sure some people are, are quite happy with the motivations behind it, or at least not bothered by them, but this looks to be something of a vigilante hit, if you can call it that. BC, I don't know what there is to really say about this, except that the gentleman who was the is the person in question who has been arrested for alleged molestation, he was not hit. The person who was hit in the car was the stepfather, 
although he did not, according to police reports and what has been reported in the media, BC has not retained uh, any serious injuries. So that person, everyone in the vehicle is more or less physically okay. Uh, Velasquez, as we speak, I think is to be arraigned today and remains behind bars. BC, I don't know what to ask you about this, except to say, isn't this one of the most insane things you've ever seen in your life? I mean, you know, crazy. And this escalated fast. When we first heard the report, it was like there was a shooting involving Cain Velasquez and we know nothing more. And to your greater point, a lot of this is alleged or sourced or reported. So, you know, let's let's wait a little bit more on on full judgments. But look, the reaction is shocking, not just given Kane's, I want to say, good standing reputation and relaxed on camera demeanor, although that obviously can mean nothing in a, in a very tense life situation. Um, you know, we wondered right away, or, do we have a like a Marvin Harrison situation or, or even worse, Luke, do we have a Aaron Hernandez situation here? But I think the 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 tide of public reaction turned heavily once the few details that we have began to come out in terms of the mo- potential motivation, and then Luke, you end up finding out that the the accuser the accused here in this case works at the or I'm sorry lives at the house that the daycare in which his mother uh, owns and operates it, it, you know is the place where Velasquez's family member is. But Luke, before we found out all those details and before we found out one other important detail being reported that the molestation happened upwards of 100 times is that when I saw that mugshot right there, mm-hmm. I, I, my first thought was, damn, like there, there's no there, there's no remorse there. That doesn't look like an accident. And I think before we knew the details, we started to ask ourselves what really happened there. And I think Luke. Once I found out the details, I'm certainly, certainly not going to come out and say this is a justified reaction from Kane. This is, you know, street justice. This is what men do. This is, you know, a lot of things like that. But I will tell you this. Kane Velasquez is a real dude. Whether you live by that code or not, and Luke, I don't particularly subscribe to this exact code of reaction. But there's some Teddy Atlas putting the gun in Mike Tyson's air type of shit. Like, this is the real shit. And I think while I won't stand here and gratify, like, you know, you know, like, justify it or, 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 or put Kane's decision on a pedestal because of the, the potential fallout for so many others, I think you have to say this. You understand it. You understand it. I'll talk for myself and then you can respond. Kane, I understand it 100%. And what could be the fallout for Kane? I mean, it, it, you know, not only could he have taken the live of this accused guy and we saw the stepfather getting hit. I mean, he could have taken other lives in making a move this reckless. And he also, Luke, could be taking his own life and putting himself behind bars and affecting his own family and all the fallout that comes with it. But I get it, Luke. And, um... I mean, we don't really live in an eye for eye society, although good good lord, are we are we, you know, hurtling closer to World War Three? I have no idea right now based on the headlines, you know, politically, but there's something about this story that I think saw a lot of people react to this and go, Yeah, I get I get it. I get it. Is yeah. that is that insane? Yeah, and Luke? I no, I don't think it's insane. I mean, listen, again, we don't know a whole lot. I mean, we know some. Uh, you know, if the if it is true, and again, this this person will have their day in court. But if it's true that this person molested a minor a hundred times, I mean, who on earth could feel sympathy for this person under any circumstance? 
Like if Kane had offed him, are any of us going to lose sleep over that? Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> not why don't I? I might even sleep a little bit better, to be quite honest with you. It's it's not that. I guess mostly, BC. I just feel sad. I just feel yes. sad. First, the, the whole thing is just tragic. First and foremost, again, it is alleged. We don't. We'll see what the courts decide. But if it is true that this minor, whoever this person may be, had this suffered to them, dude, that's a lifetime of damage. They may never recover from. That is a. I mean, an unspeakable horror to do that to a person. Moreover, you can't undo it, so now they just have to live with this, even if this person had been killed by Cain, but they weren't, so now they live, and now, in trying to go through with this vigilante thing, it's like, dude, I don't even care if that guy had died. I, I, I really don't. I, 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 don't, I don't know many people that would, to be honest with you, but he didn't. He lived, and the other person lived, and now Cain is the one who is, I mean, by the letter of the law, I don't know what the evidence is. I guess we'll have to see. But assuming he actually did this to your point with the with the mugshot, he didn't look particularly sad about the whole thing. And, you know, I can understand, again, do I understand Kane's, like, how would I feel if someone did that to my daughter? Maybe I'll do the exact same thing. You know, like, who knows how you're, you're going to react. Let and by the way, I don't know right if it was Kane. Just, one, just one, clarification, one, cl- one clarification, one clarification. I don't know if it's Kane's daughter. They, I want to be clear about this. Yes. They say family member. I, I don't know who that person is. I'm only saying if it happened to my daughter, I would react that way, maybe. And the only age-specific uh, things we know is that the, the accused is being charged of molesting someone under the age of 14. So that's the only thing we do know. But you, I think you hit upon the key point when, bring, you know, when looking in the mirror at your own life and saying, look, I'd like to believe I'm a, you know, a little bit more civilized where I wouldn't react like this, but... You know who knows, Luke? Unless you're in that potential situation, who knows? And, who knows? And, and, and it, I it, guess the greater BC, point I'm is, just... is is let's not. The greater point is I'm not here to celebrate Kane. I'm here to say, like you said, damn, this is a tragedy on every single level, and could have been much, much worse. Much, much worse. Who knows what could have happened to other people in that intersection? Although you know, I don't know what happened there either. I'm just saying. Here's what's sad about it. This person who has been molested has been affected for life this alleged molester if it is true will walk not in terms of justice but uh, ambulatory they're not in any way affected by what Kane did and now Kane has to go to jail now I don't know what a jury's gonna do I don't I don't know what is next but Jesus Christ it just feels like a horrific situation I don't think I can recall BC can you think of another famous combat sports champion not who got in trouble with the law I mean that's not all that uh, hard to find, but who did something like this? And again, not that we're judging per se how we would react in that case, but just did something like this, where they where they acted out in this manner, which was according to what we know from the police report, dude, very direct, very specific, very full of intent. It was a botched execution, so to speak. But um, I just I don't think I've seen anything like this in this particular kind of way. Yeah, no, we haven't. We haven't. I mean, we've seen a lot of really bad situations from OJ to Ray Carruth to War Machine, you know, across major sports and Aaron Hernandez. But I'm not sure if we have an exact. Those are all different. Yeah, yeah, all different. I'm not sure if we have a direct comparison here. But, you know, I mean, there was some I mean, I think I even saw an interview like two weeks ago. uh, I forgot. Was it Javier Mendez who was sort of saying, look, you know, I'm not really really I'm not really sure Kane is 100 percent done with MMA. So it's sort of like, you know, here's somebody who's. Not far from, you know, having his face on the poster of a WWE pay-per-view, for whatever that matters, against Brock Lesnar and obviously competing at the highest levels of the UFC. But uh, the it's very unique, this situation. And, um, man, uh, I, I'm not sure what the fallout's going to be, Luke. I mean, I, you know, 
I keep I keep thinking for for better or worse that that scene in that movie is it a time to kill with uh with the line Matthew McConaughey Sam and yeah yeah, yeah is it is it Samuel L. Jackson who delivered that line that famous line of uh yes I uh you know yes they deserve, yes, they deserve to die, to and, I die hope they and I hope they burn in hell yeah yeah and I, and you remember that the way that moment set up it was like again in that situation different from the Kane situation but again I get it. I guess the last thing I'd say is, but in that scenario, the guy had gotten, or not gotten away, but he had fully uh, gone through with his plan about killing the guy. Kane went through with the plan, but it didn't work, and now he's the only one, well, this other guy has these other crimes to answer for, but as a relation yeah, to that, Kane's like, other... the one in jail. It's like, how, how is this, what, 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 this is upside down world, you know? No, it is, it is. And one other key, and, the, and look, there are situations in life where where the law, you know, you could say the law isn't needed, or or, or you stop thinking about the fallout of the law and, and you know sometimes you get in that point in life but you know it is important to note Luke that this guy was under um, police custody and then was released on bail and I think the story said yes. uh, against the better judgment of of what like the local of the, of the, 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 the local district attorney uh, objected to this guy being released and the judge overruled him and released and him three anyway. days later you know yeah Kane came calling so uh, wow and you know Velasquez has turned down all requests for interviews from jail of the, of the newspapers and such. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> you know, again, to your initial statement, I don't know what to ask or what to say. We just said a lot, but unique, scary, tragic, all that. And, and, and then some. I mean, who had Cain Velasquez in prison for murder or attempted murder anyway on their bingo card for 2022? Boy, I got to tell you, that wasn't on mine, you know? No, no. However justified you might believe it to be. I still didn't have it on mine, so... What a shame. What a, what a terrible situation. I, I, I guess we'll see what happens with it. All right, BC, let's turn our attention, if we can, to the big fights this weekend. UFC 272. Now, as you indicated, A, we have a pregame preview. Me, BC, Chuck Mendenhall already on the site. Now, up yesterday, you can go and check it out either during the show, after the show, whenever you want resume review on Colby Covington, which means we now have resume reviews on both the main and or both main event competitors, I should say. We did one previously on Jorge. We did one this week on Colby. Let's put a pin in that and come back to it for just a second, BC. We got to talk about the new co-main event. Rafael Dos Anjos was sort of originally expected on this card to face Rafael Faziv. Faziv yesterday, so that would be Tuesday, comes down, or actually I think even on Monday or Tuesday, had come down with COVID. He's out, so they had to find a replacement. BC, they almost went with Islam Makachev, but for whatever reason, it didn't work even at 170 pounds. Instead... In steps Hanato Moicano, fresh off of his win over Alexander Hernandez at 155, but they're going to make it a 160-pound catchweight, and this is the kicker. It will be for five rounds, at least reportedly five rounds. Give me your reaction to all of this news. Wow. I, I will say this. I, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers, given, I won't say this card's cursed, but, but the theme we've had. I mean, this card, UFC 272 on Saturday in Las Vegas, was supposed to be uh, Max versus Volkanovski three with Jan Sterling two as the co-main event, and then you know they change that that uh, Rafael dos Anjos Rafael Faziv fight night main event that was supposed to be a few weeks before to this co-main event slot, and like you said, kept it a five round uh, non-title bout, which is unique to itself. You know, coming off of that, um, who who just recently did that? Luke was it Nate Diaz against Leon Edwards? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Who it just happened the first May time? The, the yes, first uh, non that, that's right. right. That was the first non-title five-round co-main, yes. So here's my reaction. Um, I think the fight that ended up getting booked, it certainly doesn't suck. It, you know, the RDA versus versus this 
kind of reformed Moicano who's starting to answer some real questions after changing weight divisions. It's a hell of a fight. And you're telling me you're going to give us five rounds. I mean, it's a, it's a really good fight. The other fights being mentioned were, I just think were certainly sexier. Even Tony Ferguson tweeting that he was offered it and was willing and the UFC chose not to go his direction. Suddenly you're like, as a last minute, damn, that could have been, that could have been something fun. I also think obviously Mahachev would have been hella interesting. And I think there are some other names there, but if I can focus for one second on Islam Mahachev, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong here, Luke. I know he was the one who actually originally tweeted that, that he would be willing to do this. And then our RDA was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then, you know, ultimately, and there's probably the tweet right there if we can blow it up to look at it. Uh, ultimately, it didn't happen. And then you had RDA kind of clowning uh, Mahachev and saying, look, I called this bluff and he backed down. Luke, if you're Islam Mahachev and you're riding a 10-fight win streak and you already uh, just won a fight against Bobby Green that was supposed to be Benil Dariush that you could argue, it was a week ago, by the way, and you could argue... He maybe shouldn't have even been in that spot. Like he already should have gotten a title shot. Why in the damn hell outside of the fact that this conversation only started because Mahachev made that tweet. Why in the damn hell would you turn around on seven days in a largely meaningless fight with RDA that can, that can only, I mean, like it's company man type stuff. It's tough guy type stuff, but what the hell do you gain from it? considering one of those topics that we're going to talk about shortly, the, those weird Dana White on, on Conor McGregor comments, like, you're not guaranteed anything in terms of what you deserve. We've seen guys like Tony Ferguson, like Max Holloway, go long winning streaks before they finally got that elusive title shot. You're seeing Leon Edwards go through that right now. Tell me this, Luke, why in the hell would he even, A, start this conversation, or B, you know... I, he doesn't seem like a guy that's motivated by money. Why would you even want to do this when you should just be sitting there and saying, I, I got the next title shot. I've already locked it up. So if it doesn't happen, this is UFC screwing me over like they did Uncle Habib at UFC 205. Maybe he thought, even though he got the win over Bobby Green, and I'm only guessing, I want to be very clear about that. My only guess would be he looked at it and said, if I take this one for the UFC and you know fight at 170 or whatever they would have agreed upon, five rounds or otherwise, I'd be doing them a solid. And because he doesn't have that like A level win more recently, the Dan Hooker win was nice. But I mean, you know, obviously beating Bobby Green on short notice is not the same as beating Benil Dariush. He might have thought I could win this, do the UFC a solid favor, and like really make it ironclad. But as you indicate. There are so many ways where that could just go wrong, and even if you get it, you might be thinking you're doing them a favor, and you are, but how that will be repaid is very unclear. It's just it's just worth more hassle than it is reward. I just think initially he might have been in that let's lock this thing up kind of a gear, but I want to say something about That's this fight. That's a fair angle. That's a fair angle, Luke. I appreciate that. Okay. I just feel like, I know, listen, am I going to argue with you or anybody else that RDA versus Makachev is a worse fight than RDA versus Anato Moicano. No, that would have been, for the fans' interests, far preferable, I understand. But I've seen people being like, oh, this fight's okay. Dude, this fight is great. Number one, I think I would just point out the UFC step-up culture that's got these guys doing this. For Moik like Moicano, he has a lot to gain here, but this is a very difficult assignment under the circumstances under which he's taking it. He's trying to put wins together, not just do the UFC a solid, so under that guideline, dude, this is a big risk for him, but he has looked amazing 
since coming up to 155. He's got his three of his four fights he's won, and all three by submission, so he's putting these guys away. This is a huge challenge, but one that he has never been more up for. And for RDA, we know he's a real talent, but he's kind of, he's on the, I think, the latter stages, I would say, of his career. If he can beat a guy like Moicano, it would say a lot. Plus, these two guys are action-oriented. I just feel like as a replacement replacement, I don't know what folks are expecting. This is a great option. As a replacement replacement of a replacement that was actually a replacement to a different replacement, hell yeah, Luke, I love this fight. And how about RDA always being bout it, bout it? Shout out to him. But I get what you're saying on Moicano as well. He has the opportunity to get the kind of, you know, public critical appreciation by taking this chance and putting himself in a pay-per-view co-main, which still means a lot when you are trying to get to that level for sure, both financially and pride and competition wise. But, you know, even even war, he could he can make a leap up those rankings with a big win here. Um, did you see the actual details? I think Aaron Bronstetter tweeted out of Moicano taking that like 14 hour flight to Brazil to be with his family. And as soon as he touches down, goes through the phone calls of him, you know, being potentially offered the fight, accepts it right away and then gets back on an overnight 14 hour plane ride that had two stops along the way to join, you know, mid fight week. I mean, these guys, Luke, whether the motivation and we just laid out potential motivations for all these guys, no matter the motivation, dude, (laughs) These guys are mercenaries for hire, uh, you know, respect to the insensitivity that we led with the Kane shooting story. But these guys are more mercenaries for hire, Luke. And uh, I respect that as much as I'm saying, hey, Islam Mahachev, be a little bit more business savvy and don't, you know, don't give in when you don't need to. Yeah, he tantalized fans about something he seemed really interested in doing. And then I think he realized it's just not worth it in the end, which is fine. Make the rational choices as best you can, but it got fans worked up. I think that's the problem. It got them worked up for like a super high level or a super A level interest fight when this is not that necessarily. But I would just argue for the folks who make, oh, Moicano. Moicano, every time he has stepped up previously, mostly at 145, he has looked good at times, but, you know, kind of fell short just a little bit. This is what he's looking for. He's looking for a big name on a big stage to finally turn that corner. And if he does, He's another interesting player in this division. So I get I get why folks feel a little bit let down, but I would just caution not to be too cynical about it. There's a lot of reasons to be excited. And, BC and how, also on this card. And how dare you not lead with the real story from this card, Luke? Jessica I has pulled out of this uh, Manon Fierro fight, so uh, she has apologized yes. to the fans. Luke, she said she had a tremendous training camp. So here we go, evil, Luke. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go, uh, indeed. BC, I want to go back to the main event for this one. We've just we've talked about it at length again. Pre-game preview and resume review well, are th- up. Things have changed. Would you agree that the 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 huge media splurge the last four or five days led by ESPN, like that's sort of updated and or changed some of these like okay. brother Let me pitch it to you then. P- let me pitch it to you. Let me pitch it to you. How yeah. would you say, how would you characterize that shift? Where are we now? Uh, you know, we're in full on monster fight promotion mode of course and this matchup which i think luke given the fact that two title fights fell off i'm not even sure ufc was necessarily going in this direction for this matchup even though it's very logical for both fighters and the promotion but given that this pay-per-view needed you know a a main event it got it it allows both fighters a chance to really relitigate and and dig deep and tell the full story on you know how close were you really what were those sparring sessions really like and ultimately Whose fault was it for the, you know, all that bull, it's either bullshit to you 
or it's fuel for what could potentially happen in this fight. So, Luke, here's what I've learned, and it's interesting. And I think, you know, let's give Mark Ray Monday credit. He did sit-downs for ESPN with Dan Lambert, also Jorge Masvidal. I really enjoyed Brett Okamoto's sit-down with uh, Colby Covington. I mean, good Lord, Luke, we didn't even mention RDA found out that Fazeev pulled out of that fight mid-interview with Ariel. So it's been a wild-ass week to begin with. But in mm. relation to this main event, I think it's worthless to, like, look too closely in, like, their reactions. And I saw a lot of people saying, damn, look, Colby looks shook in that interview. And I don't know if there's an amount of money on this planet you could pay me to sit through the seven minutes that was Stephen A. interviewing both guys at the same time. So I have no idea what happened there, Luke, and I never will. But here's what I want to say that I didn't say on the rooftop that has come out from my observations this week. Okay. I think there's two questions you have to ask yourself about this fight. One, because the narrative is so much in your face, you got to kind of deal with it to a certain degree. Like, who's really telling the truth? They are so 100% in opposite directions on every story about the history of their friendship and who didn't pay who and how they fell apart and who fucked who over and who got actually invited back to ATT after being kicked out, that somebody's lying. So that's question one. You know, and question two, obviously, is does any of that shit really matter? Because, obviously, styles make fights in the end. This is a very bad style matchup for Jorge. Colby is three years younger and much more fresher and, and more elite. Now, I say much more. You could argue that's exaggerating, but, I, you know, we'll find out. And also, Luke, both have lost to the same guy in the past two and a half years, but Covington came a lot closer in both fights. Uh, you know, there's no question about that. But I want to say this about Jorge that I didn't think heading in that I've picked up from the interviews this week. You know, none of that might matter in the end. It could be 50-45 Colby in, in Shut Up, BC. But the when we see Jorge at his best, he is one of the rare athletes, fighters, who doesn't just bring emotions into the game, like, is fueled by them. Most guys, that's a distraction. Jorge's arguably at his very best when the trash talking is dialed up. Or, Luke, when you look back at his insane 2019, when he came back from that year plus off, came out of the jungles of that reality show and vowed to baptize everyone and went on that run of three knockouts and the almost unimaginable fighter of the year honors and went from journeyman to pay-per-view headliner almost overnight. Dude, that was emotion fueled. It was a lot of like, I've been in this game a long time and I've really never got the recognition or financial rewards that I deserved. And Luke, he turned his fortunes around in 2019. And as I always say, actually voted him number 10 pound for pound after he beat Nate Diaz that year because like mm. everyone else, like it's just hard not to get caught up in who the hell is this guy? But that was emotion fueled to a large degree. The, le the What's followed since 2019, you know, on paper, it's two losses to Kamaru Usman, who's arguably on his way to becoming one of the greatest of all time. And it's a horrible style matchup, so who cares? But I think Jorge really started to live that celebrity life in 2020 because he finally had the cash to kind of do what he wants and start the his own liquor business, you know, all that stuff. That That's where he always wanted to be. And whether he was going to get destroyed by Usman twice or not, I think it took some of that edge off. Now, obviously, he's also 37, and we can always make the debate of was that 2019 performance from him like lightning in a bottle, Tim Tebow run into the playoffs that we'll never see from him again. But look... I feel like he went into that Usman first fight with that short camp 
you know, really not expecting to win given the circumstances. And then, of course, gets a taste of how great Usman is and realizes how far they actually are apart. And then, you know, like the corp, like the company above him, cashes in on the rematch and, you know, is game, but gets sent to the bottom depths of hell. I feel like I see that spark again in Jorge this week that I haven't seen since 2019. Now, I'm not fooled into believing that that same version is walking through that door on Saturday. I just think I'm giving Jorge a much bigger chance than I expected coming into this week mm. because he loves this shit. He thrives on this hatred and the who he said, he said, and all that BS where obviously he's not going to do anything unless he can get Colby into a brawl. But the foundation's being built, and we'll find out more at the final presser and the you know weigh-in face-to-face. I feel like that foundation, Luke, is kind of talking me into saying, this week, Jorge, you've won me back over. I think the fire might be relit. Maybe for the last time. Maybe he's got reason again to light it, Luke, whether you think he's fighting for his pay-per-view future or not. But that guy's back, dude, that bad guy. He's back this week. So this is what I said on the roof. You're, you're right about one thing I just don't think anyone could really challenge, which is, like, can we get the 2019 heroics back? I don't think so. I think that that was in 2019. I don't think you can get that back. But that doesn't mean to me that him exceeding uh, expectations and having a raised... Because, you know, Jorge at his best is quite good. You just don't know... Not that he's unmotivated per se, but sometimes he fights down to competition. Sometimes he fights up. Sometimes he's overwhelmed. But what I mean to say is the idea that he was... That there's only 2019 or nothing to me just feels like a little bit of a mixed middle ground where he could actually raise his profile. One thing to think about BC here is, I'm not going to say every time, but a lot of times when Colby is doing his shtick, it's one-way traffic. I mean, Tyron Woodley kind of gave it back to him, but Tyron was on his last legs at the time. And like having a hat where like, oh, uh, make or keep racist catching a fade or whatever it was, it it didn't have hardly any effect during the fight week or anything else. But here you got a guy who is not only giving it back to him, but giving it back to him in a way where they're making like claims about who he actually is in ways that no one else can. I mean, you mentioned something like who's lying. I, I don't know who's lying. But again, Danny Segura talked to Paulino Hernandez, the coach at the middle of this. I, I watched the whole interview. Dude, he's pretty direct about it. He's like, yeah, this whole thing, this, 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 this. He stiffed me. I don't like him. And that's why we're here. He didn't mince words at all. He didn't exaggerate for effect. He was kind of soft-spoken, but he just laid it all out there. So, dude, I feel like Jorge Masvidal is... Yes, of course, as we said, a lot of this is for effect. A lot of this is for money. The media stuff where they're badgering each other on Stephen A. Smith. This is clearly designed to sell pay-per-views. But at the heart of it is something real. And because there is something real, and I think also, BC, Jorge, as you indicated, not super young. He probably knows that big fights are going to be coming to a close sooner rather than later. I honestly feel like I still think Colby deserves to be the favorite based on the body of work he's turned in. But and, and again, you're right, 50-45, who could be surprised? But don't be surprised either if Jorge still has some magic in him. This is a semi-different scenario that Colby's entering to, and I think those differences can matter. It's rare, Luke. It's rare when handicapping a fight or taking, you know, doing these long-winded rants like I just did to try to properly set the storyline and how it can affect the fight. It's rare that you go, you know, so far off base beyond the X's and O's and lean into that. But Luke... You know, you have a brother. I don't ha- have one, but I grew up with, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I grew up with a lot of other people who had brothers. Man, that sounds lame as shit, man, right? I grew up with a lot of boys who had brothers. I know people boys. who also have brothers. <laughs> you ever see a brother fight, Luke? Age, 
size, experience doesn't always come into play when there's that nope. level of like emotion and rage. And I don't really know if Colby and Jorge were like true best buds. And I don't actually, Luke, really know if this whole breakup, you know, they could have just as easily said, hey, look, bro, we know we have, you know, a, a check we can cash later in our career. So let's let's keep, the, you know, let's keep this shit up, you know, who knows, Luke. But Jorge's making me believe a little bit, like I mentioned, that, you know, if he can create, taking the word chaos, if he can actually create chaos again in that cage, you never know. You never know. And I think that's got me a lot more excited, even though I'm not buying in completely on some of the theatrics and the pro wrestling and all that bullshit. I am interested to see, like, you know, can you catch a Colby who may not have that same motivation? I mean, look, that's the thing. Because if we're going on things other than X's and O's, how about motivation? I do believe... You know, there's people that tell BC you're crazy. If 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 Jorge loses this, he could just as well headline the next pay-per-view against Connor. Yeah, okay, you're probably right there. But I do believe that Jorge seems to be fighting for much more in this fight than Colby is, Luke. That's just what I believe. I, I, I don't think that's crazy. I really don't think that's crazy at all. And honestly, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen on Saturday. Okay, BC, we have to get to more craziness. Let's talk about this. You saw this, and I was... Not floored, but we knew we had to discuss it. So Dana White spoke to John Morgan. By the way, shouts to John Morgan after a long tenure at MMA Junkie. Is now, it looks to me like the head guy in charge over at, at MixedMartialArts.com. Their forum is known as the Underground. So Dana spoke to John Morgan through that. Now, he was asked about Conor McGregor, and he was asked about title shots and how this is all going to play out. Here is what Dana said in response to the question about whether or not Conor's going to get a title shot when he comes back. Quote, it's going to depend on who the champion is. The champion has some say in that too. Who's going to be the champ when Conor McGregor comes back or what do they want to do? If you look at Oliveira, right? If it's still Oliveira by the time he comes back, maybe Oliveira wants Conor. Who knows? I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. There's a lot of variables that have to come together for him to come back and fight. Number one is health. How's his leg? Then once that's 100%, we'll start to figure out where he goes because a lot of these, we have fights, this is key, BC, already made through June 18th already. Once he's 100% ready to go, we'll get him figured out and we'll see what's what with the lightweight division and we'll get him figured out. BC, here's my read on this. Tell me if I'm wrong. He's not saying that Connor is necessarily the next person to get a title shot because the calendar might fill up before they can make all that work. But what he is saying is, doesn't matter because by the time Connor does come back, if the champ wants it, you yeah. Bubbas would be crazy to think we're not going to make it. For like, you know, I could either quote Nate or I could just tell you straight up. I fucking told you and you meaning the ethos fear and everyone who DMs me all the time and says, DC, <laughs> stop riding Connor's nutsack and bringing up his name. There's no freaking chance that injured, washed guy coming off to, you know, stoppage defeats is going to get the next title shot. And like I tell them, and like I always say, Luke, good. I mean, are you kidding me? You can never put this past or underestimate the UFC. And you could also Luke argue Separate from, you know, rankings and meritocracy, they'd be dumb not to consider this exact same thing. But it's, it's of course it's in play. And, you know, I mean, let's say all of, as much as like, that's why I'm saying with the Islam Mahachev thing, it's like, don't do them any favors, especially in where we are right now in fighter pay and maybe some of the advances that could be coming if people are still bold or if there's just going to be some type of fall off from Nganu being so bold. And you can argue Adesanya seems to be very happy following that Nganu situation. So, you know, keep, keep posted to that. But even in this, in this era, you know, I, I just don't think Islam should be giving that away 
But you see right here, why? Because they could they could just as hell screw you on the back end. So if Oliveira beats Gaethje, you know Oliveira. Everybody wants to fight Connor, especially now when he's deemed vulnerable. They'd fight him anyway, no matter what, for the opportunity and the money and the I mean, you're you're a made man, you know? I mean, okay, Luke, let me ask you this. Can I, Luke? Can I ask you something? Please. You know the the lifetime reputation and respect Nick Diaz has. It's almost impeccable. Like fans love him. But is Nate is Nick Diaz Nick? Is Nick Diaz like 100 percent a crossover name in every sports fan's mind and eyes? No. No. I can argue no. no. Let me flip that around and say Nate Diaz. If he hadn't fought Connor, forget twice, but ever in what were what? Two of the three biggest pay-per-views in UFC history. Dude, he's, he's, what is he? I don't want to say he's nothing. What is he right now? Luke? What is he? He's, he's not a household name, dude. Right? I mean, no, it's obvious. Not. It's No, he's not. It's, he so, needed those. Yes. So, so, and, that, and that's not some revelation. Okay, BC, that's stupid, but you get the point. So, you know, yeah, man. I mean, I want to just hedge this a, a bit and be fair because I've been told, shout out Brandon Wise and CBS Sports, that if you listen to the audio in the John Morgan interview, it's not as strong from Dana as the as the pull quote would make you think. Yeah, but and it's Luke, not a denunciation. Like, dude, when does like the fact that but, he's hedging tells you he's hedging? Right, and also look, he he summed it up. I, I saw part of his interview with Aaron Bronstetter where Dana just looked you know, tired and exasperated by, he was mentioning the Ukraine situation and everything going on. And he was just like, look, everyone's always asking me what's next for Connor. He's like, I don't even know what's going to happen, you know, three months from now. And I think it's just his way of saying like, you know, you can ask me and I can answer, but like, I don't really know. But with that said, Luke, of course they will do this. Of course, of freaking course they wouldn't. It doesn't matter if Oliveira or Gaethje wins. And like, you know, we, we joke back and forth. I think you and I, you and, I and Mikey Mormile, our producer, just had like a tech stream of going, it's like, okay, here's how Islam can get a title shot. If only Dana can convince Habib to come back for one more fight and then we can guarantee Islam a title shot. And it's like, you know, the UFC, of course, would bend over backwards to do Habib Connor 2 in any form and situation. It's the biggest selling fight in MMA history by freaking far. It's two of the greatest of all time. It's got a hatred rivalry that really at times can make John Jones and Cormier look like they're, you know, best buddies. Um, but Luke, the bet, the next best thing of that would have to be Conor McGregor stumbling back into the lightweight title and fighting unbeaten Islam Mahachev with, 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 uh, with Habib in his corner. Dude, that's the next best like scenario for the UFC. Like, of, oh, oh, hell yeah, it is Luke. Dude, it's it's like if you're the UFC, it, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Who else, depending on who's champion, Justin, Charles, you name it, who else, assuming they beat Connor, is going to be that transformative for them anywhere? Like if you are the UFC and you're looking at Connor's long-term potential, it's not super significant at this point. Obviously, what he's done has been arguably the most significant, and it would be foolish to discount his chances. But I doubt his best days are ahead. I doubt that, right? Some good days, potentially, but his very... Like, he's going to match or exceed what he did at UFC 205. I find that very hard to believe. His best days are behind him. And so, if you're thinking about the UFC long-term, either A, Connor being champion is great for you, right? That's just a fucking win. Or someone beating Connor is also good for you. In all of these cases, putting Connor in that mix, like, there is still... 
However much the value equation has changed about exactly why they want to fight Connor, yes, money, of course, has been preeminent and will remain preeminent, but there's also a few other reasons why they want to do it. Even though some of those have shifted around in certain places, the overall picture, BC, is quite clear. It is still extremely valuable for champions to want to fight him. It is still extremely valuable for the UFC to want to make these fights. The fans won't in, in, in totality, certainly, or even in large numbers. They won't revolt. So I ask whether you like these facts or whether you don't like these facts, what is the mechanism by which they will be stopped? I don't see it. I just don't see it. Yep. Yep. That's that's just the way it is, Luke. I think that's what Bruce Hornsby once said. And then then they put it on a pretty badass Tupac song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell, told you I played basketball with him my freshman year in college. All right. Who? Tu- who, uh, who, tu- who? Tupac? Br- Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> Bruce Are you Hornsby. serious? He lived, dude. Yeah, he lived wait. He lived in Williamsburg, yeah. Wait, wait. How, how do you just hide this, dude? I love me some Bruce Hornsby. I got that. I've told you this. I've told you this before. My freshman, no, it's a true story. My freshman year, I was playing basketball at our local gym with just some friends, and he was there playing pickup basketball. We just weaved on right in. That's it. Simple as that. I didn't Damn. even know who he was at first. So so can you describe his game? Dude, I'm very into this. I, I'm way too this into This was a this. long time ago. No, he, he played like a, he was an in-shape, regular old man. Hit a couple screens, hit a couple jumps. Was nothing, he fundamentally too sound? crazy? He was probably like, yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. He was, mm-hmm. yes, he was. He was pretty good. Was yo, pretty good. yo, yo, yo. Prince would have took Bruce Hornsby to the hole, Billy Ho. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know. Blouses after he dunks. And yeah, shit. yeah. What? And then and then served him pancakes in that ass. They you know served that, him pancakes. Luke. Yeah, Bruce Hornsby could ball a little bit. He could ball a little bit. Damn, what? I, Luke, that's I was, I was like, thanks. To I was you. like, I was like, Luke. thanks for that mandolin rain song. It's good. I liked it. <laughs> great song every time i think luke that you know that the limits of me being wowed by you or that our friendship or relationship could get any better right it's only gonna get worse from here like fuck you these moments luke just just remind me that you know we have more to mine from each other luke okay we ain't going nowhere all right i've lived a surprising and immensely stupid life there's a lot to talk about all right things uh, that are not stupid however topic number three hamzat shemaev is probably going to take on Gilbert Burns. Again, Dana White telling the underground through John Morgan, quote, it's happening. Now, if it does happen, it is looked to be at April 9th's UFC 273 pay-per-view event, of course, which would be in Jacksonville, Florida. BC, we knew this was kind of coming. We had heard some rumors. It's been rumored out there in the public for some time. Not official official, but something pretty close to it. Okay, BC, the significance of this fight is extraordinary because... If Colby beats Jorge, he is going to be in at least a good position for a title shot, all things being equal. However, if Hamzat Chemaev wins, true or false, BC, and let's say he wins authoritatively, he's going to leapfrog Colby for the next title shot. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes, he will. Luke, we've had this debate before. It would have been hella aggressive, but I think you could and somewhat arguably should even make Chemaev Usman right now because... What we don't know about this guy is just so damn sexy that finding it out at that level would be wild, Luke. It could also break a guy, and, you know, we've seen guys get get rushed too quickly or get up, you know, but I don't think anything's going to break Chemayev. And, oh, by the way, Luke, you know what I mean? I've never really been a monster Darren Till fan. I've been spending most of my on-air career telling you how overrated he is. This brotherhood between Chemayev and Till that's coming out through social media, isn't that, like, heartwarming? I don't follow either on social, but I did see the videos of them training together. Dude, it can only be good for Darren Till. I think mixing it up and getting some 
you know, intense energy like that guy brings to the training room, that that's what he needs, I think, Dude, a little when, bit right now. When Till comes out and says, I see so much of myself in him, you know, I, I love that, like, you know, it, it transcends cultures and language and, like, you know, like, it's like you and I, look, we come from opposite ends of the journalism tracks, yet you put us together and we find out we got a lot of the same similarities that drive us, you know what I'm saying? The packaging is a little bit different. But, you know, I, I love seeing this. So so back to the significance of this fight. Yeah, dude, to me, this is, and we, you know, we thought this could take different forms. Like, who is Chamayev finally going to fight to show us whether the hype is really real? There were a lot of names floated around and dates, and we had to wait a long time to get to this point with the bad COVID run that Chamayev had and all of that. But Gilbert Burns is the right opponent to give us these answers. And yes, this is the the proving ground that somebody this uniquely special and and we've had bright prospects before. I mean, you remember when John Jones was, you know, three UFC wins in and you were getting people saying like, dude, this guy really might have like greatest of all time, future potential, maybe one day. Like there were some flashes of that, but I can't remember this organically where somebody went from, I've never heard of this guy to, you know, what he did in 2020 and now like, me making some stupid argument that he should be fighting for the title now. I can't wait. The 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 theater potential of what Chamayev Burns offers just from that is this mother effort for real. Like, show us, bro. Because you might be so real that you may finish Gilbert Burns in a minute and a half. Like, we have no freaking idea here. I can't wait to find out. Yeah, I mean, this is the part about Gilbert Burns that I love. First of all, Gilbert Burns might go in there and just remind everyone, hello, I'm Gilbert Burns, and yeah. I think you all forgot what I'm capable didn't of. He, that is didn't he drop the... Usman? We always forget about he that. He rocked didn't... him. He rocked him. He rocked him. He didn't drop him, but he certainly rocked him. And also, just like, he is a legitimate, not just a guy who has a black belt at, like, the purple belt or something. Like, in the black belt division, a, a, a real-world champion crossing over. We know about his striking. We know he's in the right weight class now. We know about his wrestling. I mean, the thing about... Gilbert is that he's the perfect opponent for Chemaya because if he loses, it's like no harm, no foul. You still have some work to do. But if you win, you are beating a guy who I'm not going to say any fighter is perfect or has fully mastered everything in MMA, but guy who has championship level experience, elite jujitsu, very good wrestling, certainly very good striking at this point too, good cardio, good camp. Like you can't beat a guy who has as thoroughly, you can always beat guy. I mean, he's not the most talented guy. What I'm saying is, it's rare for a prospect who is surging to get an opponent where beating him tells you almost everything you need to know, something you would ordinarily need to get BC through the the case of multiple fight experiences. Like, how do they work against this guy or then against that guy or against that guy? You beat Gilbert Burns, you answer a lot of those questions in one fell swoop. I don't know what happens after that, but I know that any lingering doubts about Shemaev, should that happen, would probably evaporate instantly at that point. Well, look, if you, would you say that this is the most hyped? I mean, Aaron Pico had a hype level coming into his pro debut that was huge. But, I mean, like I mentioned, people people made whispers about John Jones very early, but I'm not sure we all had, like, that 100% like confidence that no matter what, he's just going to go out there and beat Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer and win the title and be who he is now, the greatest fighter I've ever seen, more more or less. I mean, you know, there's arguments to be made, but more or less the GOAT. Um, can you compare this this Hamzat meteor? It's like Bo Jackson, dude. What, like, what have we seen MMA-wise recently that compares to this? 
I mean, Johnny Walker, but not even Johnny Walker. The, the, the scent coming from Johnny Walker wasn't this legitimate, Luke. No, this is like, it's got, it's, it's like a mix of Habib with, this is not quite right, but I mean, just the, with just the quickness with which people are asking him to be in these huge fights. It's like Habib mixed with the push behind Brock Lesnar almost. I mean, that's not quite right because he had this huge popularity base before ever coming here. But what I mean to say was after, and he lost his first fight against Mir, but what I mean to say was once he began to write the ship, it was like this meteor headed right for the top of the division. Granted, it was Randy Couture at the time. The, the comparison falls apart. I'm just trying to say Habib had this kind of slow-ish role. All these guys you mentioned had this slowish role. I'm trying to think of someone who had this quick role, but then had all of the game behind it. In many ways, it is entirely unique. I'm not really sure what the antecedent to this would be, quite frankly. I, I, anyway. I, and, I, and, you know, and I'm smitten, I'm smitten with Chemayev. Like his persona, his, you know, his confidence and mixed with cockiness, it, it's, it's pretty addictive, Luke. You know, it's, it's hard to hate. Well, I, really, it's hard to hate. He wants it. He wants all that smoke. Look, he wants to move in with Cypress Hill and have that smoke backpack thing put around his face with the torch. He wants all of it, Luke. Listen, until he wants to stand inside of a life-size bong, I don't believe that, but I know what you mean. All right, <laughs> you're like, let's move you're on like, hold to on. this. Let me finish this we, no, BC, we got We got to move along. We got to move Before along. Before I make this joke, all right, all right Luke, I'm, you know, look, on a, on a second-by-second basis, I'm trying to entertain as much as I can, all right? Don't, don't know, neuter me, I okay? I know, I know, I know. I'm not trying to. All right, topic number four, and this will kick off in three minutes. So, Errol Spence Jr., I think I can get to this now, we all knew was going to fight your Dennis Ugas. It is going to be on Showtime pay-per-view, I want to say, in just minutes. And if you look in the description box below, there is a link to watch it if you would like. The official kickoff for the press conference, Errol Spence Jr., taking on your Dennis Ugas. It's going to be on Showtime pay-per-view. The presser today is at Jerry's World in Dallas, B.C., what is the number one reason for folks to care about Errol Spence Jr. versus Jordanis Ugas? The number one reason. Oh, and also quickly, uh, Jerry Jones, the, the the you know that you mentioned, uh, he'll be part of this press conference as well. Uh, look, number one reason is the significance of the fight. Let's the way, be really sorry, fair. Sorry, April April sixteenth, April sixteenth, April sixteenth. You know, AT and T Cowboy Stadium. There, um, the significance of the fight. What is welterweight? It's 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 this you know it's the sexy division. It's the one that's carried this the sport on a pay per view level through heavyweights ups and downs in recent eras, and this is for three of the four world titles. Uh, that's number one, no question about it. It's getting us closer to finding out who is not only the best welterweight in the world, but once we find that answer out, that answer will simultaneously be who's the best welterweight of this era. And in the post, you know, Manny Floyd welterweight era pretty big deal but one b to that to that what's most important luke the 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 subhead to that is is errol spence still the same guy and like you you don't have to like i'm not being critical here i'm not being cynical like i'm the biggest errol spence jr fan in terms of his game as anyone i've been flip-flopping the who would win between him and terrence crawford debate for years because i believe spence is this good despite some of those outside the ring things that are now piling up you know question wise i don't think we question anymore spence's focus or his commitment or whether he's cleaned up some of those outside the ring things and let's remember you know he was more than lucky miraculous to walk away from that that mm -hmm. you know drunk driving crash with with nothing basically after getting thrown from his vehicle 
But now he's in his early 30s. He's had another year-long layoff. He had to pull out of that Manny pay-per-view because of the detached retina. So that's now something potentially legitimately physically compromising mixed with the fact that he walked away from this horrific crash that knocked out his teeth and, you know, banged him up a little bit. You do wonder, Luke, if Errol Spence Jr. is not, you know, 90% of what makes him great, you damn right this is a trap fight because your Dennis Ugas is that good whether we get the best Spence or not. He is in this fight. He is underrated. The performance he put on Pacquiao on, on the last minute was was exactly what makes him a the black, not the black sheep, the the sort of like the guy you're going to overlook, but the guy who may end up surprising everyone. Can he beat the very best of Errol Spence? I don't know. I'd question that a little. But is the very best of Errol Spence still able to walk through that door April 16th, Luke? From a tactical perspective, one of the things that a guy like Spence does extremely well, by the way, I second all of your analysis, all of the stuff that's happened to Spence makes this question, can he be the very best of what we've seen? Moreover, what I would add is that a lot of the offense of what Spence tries, he is a diligent, thorough, consistent jab. He really lives and die, not dies behind it, but man, he lives behind that jab. That jab is critical to everything he does. And Jordanis Ugas has a phenomenal ability to counter opponents who have a great and consistent jab. He has excellent jab defense and then offense off of that defense. So not only are the things that BC is saying quite correct about what we don't know actually about Errol Spence Jr., there is you add another layer of complexity to what Ugas offers as an opponent. And man, I got to tell you, if you're right, BC, if this if we had real confidence we would get the very best of Errol Spence Jr., I'd say this is a tough fight but winnable one for Spence. But given that we don't know and how Ugas seemingly has developed these very important skills, dude, this is a very, very, very competitive fight. Yes. And I cannot wait to see what Errol Spence Jr. does. One quick question to you. If Spence goes in there and shows us elite Spence, does that meaningfully add to the pressure behind Bud Crawford to sign with PBC. Yes, it, I, I think that 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 firmly points it back to Bud Crawford and says, "Look, what are you after at the end of the day?" Because PBC Al Heyman and Errol Spence would have the um, would have the leverage financially to say, "Look, you know, we've been arguing for years and we never made this fight, and some of that argument was the purse split." Although, to be fair, Luke, I never felt like either network or promoter really went all the way in trying to secure that fight. And the reason why is because when you start to talk, the demands on both sides were, no, I'm the A side. I'm the guy that gets the larger split. You know, did, did they ever come together and figure out a 50, 50 deal? I don't believe they ever did. So um, if your team Spence, dude, you'd have the ability to hold that leverage firm. And you'd be basically saying Terrence Crawford, you know, you're not getting any younger either. What are you 34 about to turn 35? Um, this is the the window to to make this and not ruin it. I mean, you have to realize, Luke, did Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather come five to five and a half years too late? Yes, but but they were still number one and two pound for pound at the time, even though they were thirty eight and thirty six. And even with Manny's shoulder injury, however you know however deep you want to believe that affected him, it wasn't you know the action fight we probably would have got five years earlier. Or, but. We did get questions answered, and that was not a washed Manny Pacquiao, right? So um, you don't want to take a chance of botching this. So you're basically saying, hey, hey, bud, what does it mean to you? 
to take less to make it happen to 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 fulfill your legacy and cement it and because look i'm gonna be honest with you luke if terrence crawford does not go to the pbc i don't he doesn't have options eddie hearn already said look we're not gonna just overpay him to try to have the same problems top rank did you know could he end up fighting virgil ortiz jr from the golden boy side yeah i mean that'd be great but that's still a one-off with no real gain for bud um you know could he go back to top rank and and fight a Josh Taylor or Teofimo rising? Well, maybe, but, you know, you also just sued Bob Arum and called him a racist. So, yeah, Luke, that is... Because I was going to ask you that same question. I was going to say, we all know we we want and deserve Crawford to be next for the winner, regardless if it's Spencer Ugas. But knowing the business reality, if it ends up being Keith Thurman against the winner, does that move you? Does that get you excited? Because it's, it's, yes, it still I, I, gets I, I, me. It yeah. still matters yeah. to me, Luke, okay? It, no, no, don't get me wrong. Keith Thurman, I thought, looked really good, all things considered, in his last fight. I mean, not a perfect fight. Last six weren't as good as the first six, but he looked to be in phenomenal shape. And, hey, that was, what, two fights in five years or something? Like, all things being equal, I thought that was pretty good. So, sure, winner of this one taking on Keith Thurman, I'm not going to complain about that at all. I'm just saying, it's like, dude, at this point, at this point with Spence and Crawford not being made, and, and really I would say the onus is more on Crawford given the – contractual realities of the present moment you could go back and forth and say the blame goes in different directions from previous points but at, at this stage it's like yes of course but if spence versus uh crawford is not made within this year it's like i mean you could probably say this already now but it's like dude there's no real good reason why it hasn't been made there are reasons i'm not sure any of them are all that good if there was real interest in the in the power brokers to make this fight it would be made i it, it just seems kind of silly at this point. So everything else, dude, Spence Ugas, this is actually the best fight for Spence to come back to in a sense, right? Because he has been off for some time and Ugas is a real tricky opponent with the particular kinds of things that he does. Spence beats that, you know, okay, man, this guy is still ready for the very best of that division. Thurman has been interesting too. I would love to see it. I'm just saying, Look, some who of could that say is, they love that more than Crawford? I don't know what Some of that is, that is, of course the wounded, jaded boxing fan in me who's saying, we, you know, forget getting what you want. Sometimes we don't get it at all. So if I can get a Thurman pay-per-view, of course, I'm going to be fired up and excited. And by the way, that's a, you know, and it's an answer we never really got. Like, we don't think Keith Thurman is the same. Keith Thurman, although credit to him for coming back and winning, but still, Spence Thurman is a fight I always wanted to see the answer to. I always wanted to see what that looked like. So, you know, right. I'd love to see that. But quickly on Ugas in closing, if you have no idea who this guy is, so he's from Cuba, so you know he has that pure amateur pedigree but look he's a lot big he's very big for this weight class very long arms so he hides behind a high guard and i think almost like a think about a winky right although he was a southpaw winky right with those long arms and that responsible guard was really able to close distance without giving up uh too much of his strike zone to be countered and and start to weigh on you and even though we don't look at ugas ugas in spirit as a puncher as a knockout guy his ability to use that size and technique to get close to you and, and kind of body you like he did Manny and then put together the smart combinations and counters. He's he's pretty damn unique, Luke, in, in terms of what he does. So, um, and if you want to know who he beat, it's more of who he should have beat. I thought he beat Sean Porter. I thought he got screwed by Jack Reese on that knockdown in the 12th round that wasn't called. And that would have given Spence, a, I'm sorry, Ugas a, a split decision win over Sean Porter. And that's the version of Porter, by the way, who his next fight fought Spence for 12 rounds and lost by split decision in the fight of the year. So, you know, mm. 
that shows you what Ugas has. Yeah, and then the I, 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 yes, and then one more last reminder on this before we switch to quick hitters. That presser go right now. There's a link in the description box below if you want to check that out. You can do dual screens or however you want to bookmark it for later if you want to keep watching the show. But the the stream for Ugas or Spencer versus Spence, excuse me, Junior versus Ugas, it is uh, already there. Go check that out. Okay, BC. Last but not least, we go to quick hitters. I love this announcement. Valentina Shevchenko is going to take on Tyla Santos. At UFC 275, Tyler Santos, BC, this will, of course, will be a women's flyweight title fight. Uh, 19-1. and one. She does have one loss to, I think, the now-exiled Mara uh, Romero-Borella. Uh, yes, M- Mara Romero-Borella from Italy. Uh, that's the one loss she has. Now, she does have some vulnerabilities when it comes to takedown defense or getting up off the bottom. It's not her very best work. So I would expect Shevchenko to pursue that. We even saw in the Jillian Robertson fight although Robertson was pulling guard. It's not her best area uh, for work. On the feet, though, she's a hammer. Great counter-striker, very good athlete. Dude, 19-1 BC, you don't get there by accident. How siced are you in the words of DC Parlance for this contest? Look, I'm I'm very excited that you're excited about this because, you know, sharing the news in the CBS Slack, yeah, Brandon Wise, my boy, I'm calling you out here. I didn't get the same um, genial, or is it genital, reaction that I was looking for, Luke. I love this fight, but why do I love this fight? Mostly because this this division is a shoebox full of shit, Luke. To be fun, to be respectful, it is, Luke. There, there ain't nobody to challenge Valentino when we thought we had somebody in Jessica Andrade. Holy shit, Luke. And now, look, obviously Jennifer Maya did well in certain respects, but still had the same, uh, you know, result in the end. This is at least somebody who's in, you know, 28 and riding a four-fight win streak and seems to be, Luke, tell me if I'm wrong. At the very least, Talia Santos, however I can butcher that, seems to have a, a a brighter ceiling to do something big in a fight that you didn't expect that was lacking from pretty much every Shevchenko title defense not named Andrade up to this point. Like, you know, Chukagin's okay, and there was I, and there was all these others, but you didn't think there's a chance in hell they're going to finish the champ or dominantly win five rounds, right? I, there's at least something to Santos where I'm like, oh, Let's see how how Valentina messes with this. If it, uh, you know, listen, do I think that Santos is going to be the person to unseat Shevchenko? I, I guess I would say that I don't. I don't see that necessarily. But BC, how many times we have to go through it? In the case of last week, where we have Garcia upsetting Colbert. In the case of Catterall, not upsetting Taylor, but probably should should have to. And those were mandatory challenges. In the women's flyweight division, it often feels like these are mandatory challengers. These are not people that are necessarily wowing you along the way, but they're doing just enough to put themselves in a position to get it. And I say it all the time. The hardest thing to do in MMA is have a, a, a weight class title, typically a UFC one, and just take on all the different uh, contenders that want to crack at you. It's a very difficult thing to have that be their biggest night and this just another routine obligation you have to go through. Uh, these these uh, upsets, these mis- mistakes, so to speak, these things you don't see coming, they happen all the time, or at least they get threatened all the time. It is worth not dismissing Tyler Santos while recognizing Shevchenko was also not here by accident. I, I'm looking forward to it. I find these fights to be sometimes the most illuminating ones, BC, if I can be honest with you. Luke, is it fair to say that until... I can't think... Who's the who's the UFC fighter that won tough and is a wrestler and hasn't fought in like in a, in a crazy long time because she's been injured and has now moved up? Oh, um... Uh, um... Uh, I can see she, the, the, she beat, um, I, uh, I spent the Nunes last minute unable to find this in my brain, Luke. Okay. Jesus. Uh, yes. I'll she, find it. I, 
Yeah, sorry. She has a. Yeah, she, um, I mean, we're blown, Luke. Pathetic. Straight up. I mean, we're know. we're the we're the worst people in America <laughs> right now. So to try to sit here and just you know, wait, um, Luke's like you know, should I look it up or just vape again? That's really where we're at right now, Luke. <laughs> um, to be fair, um, I you know I still don't have it. She Luke. has wow. the she, she. God, what is her name? Yeah, we are, we are old and pathetic. You know, she's great, Luke. She's a great fighter. No, seriously, she's got plus side potential to do something in a Shevchenko fight. You know. So memorable, I can't pull the name. Gaff, can you save us? I mean, we're just hanging out here. Just yes, I mean, she has a Latin name. I God, and she's Gaff, a wrestler. And her neck is the, all messed up. What so is what, cliff, the one with her Gaff, neck is all messed up? And there's a piece of wood hanging off of a rock from the cliff, and like we're hanging on that by like a piece of fabric. You know, who is it? I've actually Luke? interviewed her like a dozen times, and now I my my shitty shitty memory doesn't even work. I mean, Fuck she's me. basically a BBL, Luke. Come on. I mean, seriously. I know, dude. This is pathetic. I'm trying to find. Is it, I really, is it Tatiana this is, Suarez? That's who it is. Tatiana right? Suarez. That's All it. Right. Tatiana Suarez. It finally yeah. came back to me. Wow. You know, Luke, is it possible to just edit out the last, like, three minutes of talking? And we'll, you know. That's the most it. authentic portion of this show. I recommend keeping it in for transparency sake. Okay. Well, Luke, with the exception. Uh, we got to move on, though. We got to move hold on. Hold on. Hold on. With the exception of Talia Santos, is there anyone in the top 15? whether it's even a couple of years away that has that same feeling that you're like, okay, I'd at least like to see her against Shevchenko. Is it uh, Macy Barber? Is it Aaron Blanchfield? Is it Manon Ferro? Is it Casey O'Neill? Do Alexa Grasso do any of those, you know, where you're like, okay, they're still getting finished in the first round tomorrow, but give me a couple of years against Shevchenko. No. But that doesn't mean anything. You know, we could see how things go. But no, to answer your question, no. Okay, okay. So this is the best. <laughs> Our work here is done, Luke. All right, that's great. All right, yeah. let's talk about this. You spoke to Ryan Garcia, fresh off of leaving Eddie Reynoso. For folks who may not know, that is the head trainer of Canelo, the Canelo fight team. He has decided to go a different way, although he has a new fight coming up. You spoke to him, BC. What did you discuss? Yeah, so here's the deal on this. Um, Ryan Garcia is going to be back after a 15-month layoff. It's going to be April 9th. He's going to fight... Uh, Emmanuel to go from Akragana. Nobody really knows that name, but then you go, oh, he's 32 and one from Akragana. He's going to be tough as nails. But Ryan Garcia has had not only wrist injuries that has delayed him, but Luke, of course, he pulled out of that Jojo Diaz fight last summer uh, with mental health issues. He's gone on to say he did contemplate suicide. So there's a lot going on in the life of Ryan Garcia. And then you add in that last month, he left Team Canelo, added Joe Goosen as a trainer. And in the past few days, Luke, there had been a little bit of back and forth. Canelo uh, did an interview with Ellie Secback, and he sort of openly questioned again Ryan Garcia's work ethic when sort of pressed on saying, you know, why did it not go wrong right with, with Ryan and, and Eddie Reynoso, your, your trainer and manager? And it was a repeat, Luke. Don't forget that ahead of the Canelo-Caleb uh, Plant fight, uh, you know, Canelo straight up said he's wasting his career. I don't think he works hard enough, blah, blah, blah. So Ryan didn't like that. Can we throw to the tweets real quick here, Gaff? Couple responses. And I think the key response in this four or five tweet uh, thing here, explaining Ryan, Ryan Garcia is essentially explaining that other fighters had issues with Eddie. And Gaff, if we can go to the next one, there's sort of a cryptic thing in here. The truth also is that it's not even the main reason I left deciders to part ways. Canelo knows why. I'm just going to keep it to myself and focus on the fight I have. So there's something there, Luke, something. I don't know if it's money, but there's something there. I had Oscar De La Hoya on yesterday. You can watch that interview this week on, on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. 
He had this wacky idea that Ryan Garcia is going to one day fight Canelo at 165 pounds and they're going to settle the beef. So all this setup, Luke, I talked to Ryan Garcia. Here's the result. I mean, I, I kind of already addressed it on Twitter, right? Uh, we we kind of just got to speak the facts and get on with it. You know, I'm ready to fight April 9th. You know, this whole would pretend be there's no beef here i have nothing but respect for canelo i just i can't let somebody talk about my work ethic when it's definitely not true i'm a hard worker and i've always been that and uh i'm just gonna speak facts to him i'm not gonna beef with him i'm just say you know what the deal is and that's it move forward okay so then i say you know uh to close here luke then then what the hell's that real reason you're talking about and i believe gaff tell me if i'm wrong we've got one more piece of, of business to clip to throw to you teased on social media that there was a reason that you haven't shared publicly as to why you switched trainers you said canelo you know that reason ryan what is that reason next question please yeah all right let's close with this then rag i can't wait for this return <laughs> but we got Oscar in here saying he wants you to fight Canelo at 165 pounds one day. Is that him talking or you talking? Uh, April 9th, I'm beating Tay Gow's ass. Just know that. <laughs> uh, Luke, you know, that wasn't the, you know, was that the most non-lame way you can manly address a question? No, that was, that was pretty lame, Luke. I mean, I don't know who that was in the background yelling, next question. That yeah, dude, whenever we, they do that, whenever they would do that on the radio, I would just hang up on them. I, I don't play that game. Dude, that ain't the shit we need to hear from Ryan Garcia head here. Look, quickly, quickly here. Is there anything to this or is it from Oscar's comments to Canelo questioning his work ethic? What are you, what is your confidence level for Ryan Garcia, you know, as, as a put together brand coming back after these crazy 15 months? We'll have to discuss that at a next time as we move through quick hitters quickly, BC. There we go. Good, good work on that. All right, BC, Dillian White. You're, really? <laughs> Speaking of no-showing. Wow. <laughs> Speaking of no-showing. Come on, dude, we're, we're way over time. All we're right. way well, over I, time. Yeah, stay tuned for extra credit with BC after this show where we... Uh, yes, where yes, we, you, uh, I, I encourage we... you. Okay, Dillian White no-shows at the first press conference. BC, as I understand it, as you make jack-off motions and get all bitter at me, even though we agreed to move through this quickly... BC. That's what I said. I said is quickly, he, Luke. Can, can I get quickly? Can we get your take on, on you know, on, on important uh, on, on Garcia? Important the whole thing. The, I would say this: He's taking an opponent. He's taking an opponent that is quite manageable, which is probably the right thing to do coming back. But I think your general tenor of being a little bit uneasy about all of this, I think, is quite right. It's the same one I get. You're like, well, he could go right back to where he was, but I. I don't know. I need to see how he looks. But this this one fight just won't tell us anything other than if he's really bad. Does that make sense? Like, if he's okay, he'll win this. If he's really bad, then he won't. But even if he wins, it doesn't give us enough information to All make right. a broader conclusion. And then, and then, he'll that, move up 30, then he'll move up 30 pounds and fight Canelo to, to settle yeah. Oscar's beef, right? You know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> we're, we're, that's, that, that part is silly. That part is silly. All right. In all seriousness, Dillian White, BC, no-shows his first fight with Tyson Fury at the press conference. Is it my understanding, BC, that he felt like he wasn't getting cut in on extra money from the pay-per-view, and so because of that, he doesn't feel like he has to do paid promotion. Is that accurate? He's doing yeah, the old there, Nick there, Diaz, basically. There's been a split reaction here. Well, I won't say split. Most of it is people saying, come on, Dillian White, like, what the F? This is your job, and you aren't you getting 
paid a career high eight million in this fight after that you know, wild purse bid. Uh, yeah, all that, that is true. So is this unprofessional, Luke? Of course, but he did pull a uh, Lithuanian exit, like we like to say, Luke, jokingly, uh, of at least telling ahead of time, uh, yeah, I'm not coming. I'm not going to help promote this because, you know, you guys aren't cutting me into the pay-per-view. He's not getting any extras beyond his base salary. Um, so look, Top Rank's the lead promoter here because Frank uh, Warren put that, you know, that ridiculously large bid. So they have the the A-side and they also have the champion, by the way. So Luke, it kind of is what it is, but there is precedence here. Dillian White in the past did the same thing to Eddie Hearn. He walked out of a press conference and basically said, you're not paying me enough for me to promote this fight for you. So I think it's part of what makes him dangerous, Dillian White, to play the villain role. And credit to Tyson Fury for having the personality to pull it off without him. But Luke, whether you think Fury's going to mop him up or not, we got to fight. April 23rd. Like, there's a fight, dude. I'm fired up for this. I'm fired up for this, too. I just feel like doing this kind of thing is going to have Tyson Fury eat you alive even before the fight starts. He's going to feed off of this. And maybe it is weakness. Maybe it's not. But he's going to turn it into weakness and then bang Dillian White over the head with it until April 23rd, in which case he's just going to bang him in the face. Well, that sounds kind of weird, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but yes, looks I like, <laughs> looks like kind of sounds like my search history, actually, <laughs> to be fair. Hang in face. Uh, there you go. Uh, BC, you saw this one. I had saw after you sent it, I had seen it. Kayla Harrison, boy, she had no time for Chris Cyborg on Twitter yesterday. Let's see the tweet up there. Yeah, this there was, was a tweet. Wild. I think, yeah, I think the tweet was originally from Ariel saying so, that I guess Bellator had matched PFL. So she let me set the had, stage. Okay, yeah. set the stage, set the stage. So like you just said, something I don't think was reported, that Bellator MMA came to the table apparently in a big way with an offer. Ariel reported that and said that not only did PFL match it, but that it appears that Kayla is headed toward resigning with them. But Luke, Kayla would go on right after that to tweet out how frustrated she was of the whole situation. And then came this tweet at Cyborg where she's basically like, meet me in Temecula. She's like, here's the gym address for ATT. Like, come down and fight me now. Um, Luke, what does that tell you in relation to to how these, this deal situation may have fallen apart to her liking, it seems? I think she wanted to go elsewhere. And I think she's frustrated that she is not going to end up elsewhere, whether it was UFC or, in this case now, Bellator made an offer. And so the, the way it works is if Bellator makes an offer, we've seen this previously with Eddie Alvarez and, and uh, Gilbert Melendez and all that. Uh, when, when Gilbert Melendez was given an offer by Bellator, what ended up happening was actually good for the fighters in the sense that you get the most contractually, but there are going to be stipulations in fighters' contracts that say, okay, that other person, that other entity can make an offer, but we have a certain amount of window, which if we match that offer, we get to retain your services. Apparently, to the letter, PFL matched the offer, so Bellator can't do anything about that unless they, I guess, offer a new offer, which I don't know if they will. So it looks like she's headed back to PFL. I think there's frustration. I think there's frustration about that she's making good money and she is certainly getting, you know, dominant victories. But I think she was looking for a new gear. And I don't know if this new PFL contract, while it might be financially lucrative, is going to provide that. Luke, does the ESPN situation with UFC being the MMA face of the channel by far. And although PFL has a very good TV deal, it seems, and they do get, you know, prime placement on what ESPN two and, you know, the app and all that, they're still the junior player. How much does that factor into the idea? Because if you're frustrated, you just go, okay, well, how, how about we do this? How about it's not about titles? How about Bellator and PFL get together 
they sign a two-fight pay-per-view series and either let each other promote one and one or we come together for a dual pay-per-view. Is that impossible because of the UFC ESPN situation? It's not impossible, but what I would say is this is the problem with Kayla. Kayla's trying to get to a scenario where she has enough fame and leverage to force, if not that situation, just force the promoters to bend to her will a little bit more. But she needs to get bigger name opponents and more clout, so to speak. Uh, I'm not using that word in the pejorative sense, but I just mean the amount of of, uh, sway that she has over these matters. She needs bigger fights and bigger leverage to do that, but she can't do that because she's still stuck in this situation. So I take your point, but... um, She's not, Connor could do something like that. Or even someone, right. even Nate could do something like that if he was playing in, the, in this space. Not, 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 not her, unfortunately. Not yet, anyway. Are there uh, BC, fi- this is. Okay, BC, uh, we if got, we're rolling on, I was going to say, are there on. enough fighters in Bellator beyond Cyborg that could make that, that deal actually work for Kayla to fight? For pay-per-view? No, for Kayla to join oh. Bellator on a massive free no. agent signing. No, it, if they had Cyborg and another name, Maybe, not not right as it stands. Yeah, not they don't even have Julia Budd. Yeah, they don't even have Julia Bud anymore. So yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, BC, uh, you'll love this one. The king of Connecticut. I know you love this guy, Glover Teixeira. He is still going to fight Yuri Prohachka. This is a small note, but they're going to move it to UFC 275. Let me get the date on this before I may. Any reaction to this? It's not the biggest news in the world. Of no, course. I, I, I freaking love the fight. Yeah, that's cool. Let's do it, Luke. Uh, that will be June 11th at a TBD location. We don't have that yet. Also on that card, BC is supposed to be the Valentina Shevchenko, Tyler Santos, but we'll have to see. And then there you go. June 11th is the one that's supposed to be. And last but not least, BC, this is for you. Amanda Hebas versus Michelle Waterson, which I think was originally scheduled for some time ago, has been rescheduled for UFC 274. BC, why do you love this fight so much? Because I know you do. I mean, you know, are we doing a <laughs> we doing a Patreon show to talk about this fight, Luke? I mean, what are you trying to do to me? No, I'm kidding. No, I do love this fight uh, for all the genuine, legitimate reasons. Uh, fired up for it. Thank you. Uh, hopefully, Mr. Hey, Hibas can the... get a tad on the other arm after this win, too, as well. Yes, thank you. This will be May 7th. I don't know if we have a location for this one yet either, but this will be the Oliveira Gaethje card. So that should be a ton of fun. A lot of women's fights on this card already, by the way. Um so be on the lookout for that. Okay, BC, that is it for the fast, quick hitters. It is time for fan subs. Yeah, uh, G- morningcombat at gmail.com is the preferred email for Wednesday's fan subs. Friday's dead wrongs. Usually it's pictures of you guys wearing uh, off-sized MK shirts, but uh, sometimes you make us laugh too. It's called fan submission. We've got mail. Okay, yeah, great. We only have a few of them this week, Luke, so that should entice the haters to stick around. Alfonso says, how to make up the mistaken MK with some real merch. This fanny pack is legit. Thanks, guys. Keep with the shameless advertising. It fucking works. LOL. Also, Luke got his BBL love from that Marine Corps time. Exclamation point. I see you, Luke. LOL. Brian won't get that one. Hands down, Marine and Navy women crush the other services. Luke, this guy's talking about some 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 um, government BBL here. Is he on point with this? He is. He is not on point whatsoever. I made it a point to absolutely never date inside the military ever. Wow! Wow! 
Not you. You're not. You're not going to ride that train, Luke, at all. I'm just going to not say. I'm going to just like. I'm going to work around it and say, doesn't work for me. I'll put it that okay. way. Okay. All right. Hey, shout out to Alfonso for buying our merch. Just the same. That fanny pack. Looks, just the same. Don't let any of your t- friends tell you it looks bad. That fanny pack looks manly on you. Uh, Danger Mouse is here and says, uh, last week, Luke said he didn't remember the people who sent in his, this stuff. Well, these memes are 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power <laughs> of will, 5% pleasure, 50% pain and 100% reason to remember the name Danger Mouse. And if you rap that, BC, I'll be impressed. Man, I should have rapped that shit, Luke. Right? Now he did Linkin Park lyrics to me eating ramen noodles. What am I missing here? I don't know. Is that, uh, yeah. I mean, that's fair, Luke. One day, that is fair. One day that, well, you know, they, they didn't, yeah, yeah. Okay, next one. Aurora Borealis. Aurora Borealis. BC under pressure from Luke while discussing the northern. <laughs> it's fair, man. It's not. It's not wrong, Luke. Oh wait. Okay? Aurora Borealis. Areola Borealis. Oh, that's very good. That's actually very, very good. That's very funny. And Luke has Conan the Destroyer. I mean, it never gets. That's old, good man. Photoshop, BC. That's good photo. That looks very accurate. Yeah, it looks real. Same skin tone too. And finally, from Danger Mouse, Luke. All right, all right. Thank you, sir. I, I, Are you, you know, I don't know if I'm. That's not Red Sonia because that was a different movie. But what was her name in the movie? Um, I don't remember. Luke. Okay. That's Dave who was Mouse. who yeah. was the strawweight who could wrestle? <laughs> Tatiana Suarez. All right. That's right. So he claims, right. Luke, that We're that smart. ramen was you overdoing the gummy. All right, well, that's a terrible. I mean, this segment yeah, is right. worthless. Let's just I mean, this is out. why we they say we should get rid of this segment. All right, uh, uh, what's this man's name? I don't want to say a, a, a ethnic slur. What's this guy's name? Uh, he says, uh, Chris Rock once said, as a father, you have one job to do. Keep your daughter off the pole. In our MK Universe, rooftop diaries aside, co-hosts have one job to do. Keep BC off the pole. I know you guys were disappointed there was no X-rated viewing across the way like last time, but good lord, gents, this is not the answer. BC making rooftop pole riding look easy. Amazing content, blah, blah, blah. It's JP. It's not Jap. It's JP from Mount Unike, Nova Scotia, Luke. Okay. All right. This is a this That's is a, this is an open mic night right here. This is turning into <laughs> know, open mic night. It really is here? the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, all right, bro. Yeah. How about though airline food, huh? <laughs> uh, Wes says no corpse grinder isn't the app that Luke searches when he reaches the darkest corners of the internet from subpar McDonald's Wi-Fi COVID-filled <laughs> hotel rooms. Corpse grinder is the best neck in the game. That's true. Singer songwriter of LT's childhood trauma and today's visual guide of BC's emotions while watching Adesanya Whitaker too. Thanks for giving us that sweet content. PS gas station dogs don't win. Brian's livers lost. Oh, that's a, this is, this is the lead singer of cannibal corpse. His name is corpse grinder. Yeah. And I got to say, BC, first of all, respect that neck. I mean, just look at that thing. Number two, that doesn't Do you make like me the goat go- whore t-shirt? Luke, I like, I mean, outside of the charity he does in his free time and that you claim he's a great dad, 
I want nothing to do with this band, Luke. I mean, what is, what, what is in that what man's about, What about the other band he's pimping there, Cancer Slug? You know, how do you openly support this, Luke? You know? I mean, we've... Because it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> Very I, I, easily. I hope W. Kamau Bell ends up doing a uh, hard-hitting documentary on Cannibal Corpse fans, Luke. I, I hope that next. I hope that's the next I'll be part. day one. Day you know, one on that thing. Like, like Cosby supporters, Luke, okay? You do have to ask yourself, am I going to separate the art from the artist, Luke? Yes. In this case, you can. Long live Corpse Grinder. Fuck your All life. Right. Open Thank mic you. continues. Uh, Michael says, great show on Monday, guys. I appreciate the daring new format and suggested it be applied whenever BC talks about boxing, Gaethje versus Habib, or Adesanya Whitaker too. At a time when the world seems to be coming to an end and Ukrainians are demonstrating what can be achieved under even the most challenging conditions, it's refreshing that morning combat stays the same. Yeah, Luke. Yeah. he's. I mean, what, you know... Uh, what do you want me to say to that, Luke? Fairly accurate. That was a good one. That was a good that, one. You know, by the way, that was me kicking the plug out and the satellite pack turned off. I mean, well, it's great. It's great. Okay. Finally, Luke, Jason says, uh, Jay from Boston here, back for the seventh time. My submissions today are dedicated to the train wreck that was the second half of Monday's show. Wow. First, on a lighter note, due to BC's spot-on prediction about the Musasi-Vanderford fight, he retired to, he referred to himself as Nostradonkus. So this is my version with BC as the Chappelle shows Negro Domus played by the late great Paul Mooney. Paul uh, Mooney wow. was the best. Is he white facing Paul Mooney here, Luke? I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Yes, show. he is white facing. And in, uh, uh, but I like how he put Nostradonk ass because it would be, it would be Nostradamus. Yes, he just said, agreed. fuck it. Let's just take that and turn it into an ass. Uh, by the way, Love, love the Chappelle show as anyone else rightfully should. And next, check out my guy BC around the one hour, 15 minute mark. For the love of God, BC, could you please scratch the itchy dead skin off your back while you're not on camera? And that face you're making is something the dogs never need to see again. Come Look on, at my man. face. Look at my face in this, in this <laughs> screenshot. I mean, that is that tells the story. And finally, this one. Uh, last one pretty much sums up the last few minutes of Monday's show. Uh, I don't know if there's another one or that's it, but Luke, oh, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. That Jay from Boston, that's so good. Luke, you know, I give you a lot of on and off screen hankering. No, that's the wrong word. Um, abuse for vaping like a white trash piece of shit. I don't know. Award winning live broadcast. But the combination of me allowing my feet to air on the documentary bear and making this, the back scratch face on air, I do have to cop to that, that, that there are things I accept as normal that to others are absolutely disgusting. Well, you are a trifling, horrible person, but I still tolerate you and love you just the same. Thank you. Uh, that was our show today. Thumbs up yeah, on the video. Hit subscribe. Is. Reminder, reminder, reminder. You can still, it's still going on, I believe. The presser, uh, Spence Jr. versus Ugas. It's official, April 16th, Showtime pay-per-view. You can go check that out, link in the description box. And of course, if you want to try Showtime, regular TV, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. want to remind folks, Friday's show will be here, but if you want to get into the dead wrongs, morningcombat at gmail.com. And St. Patrick's Day merch. St. Patrick's Day merch is up now. 
morningcombat.store. BC, any final thoughts before we call it a day? Yeah, I think I'm talking to uh, uh, Bryce Mitchell today from Morning Combat, Luke. Your there thoughts? you go. Uh, that should be a fun interview. Uh, by the way, his fight is super exciting fight against Edson Barboza. Love, love, oh, love, love that, that fight. Luke, if we Which do, we'll, ma- if we talk to RJ and we do make January six merch, will Bryce Mitchell wear it to the to the octagon? We would have to sponsor him. You have to do it right. You have to do it right. But we can try. Okay, we can try. Okay. Uh, okay, BC, that is it for us. Thank you guys so much for watching. This will be up on the podcast very soon. And in for Malka, for Showtime, for CBS Sports. That's Brian. I'm Luke. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.